Previously on Iron Immortals. One of the reasons why so many things happened the way they did was because, at least initially, we weren't willing to kill for this this person. We're a group that are interested in determining why it is that people speak of origin, the the nation from which we were all supposed to have come many, many centuries ago. Because more and more as we look around, we find evidence that there was something here before the Empire, a people of some kind. And we, the truth seekers, are attempting to put together what that would be. Maybe promise is all there is. Maybe this is the only land we have and we need to care more for it than we have in the past. Also, that maybe some secrets from before the founding of the Empire, maybe those secrets should stay buried. Go to your friends. Keep them close. In this town of all towns. I don't like the way you operate, Carpenter. Look, not all secrets have reason, but those that do tend to be good ones. You'll like it. It'll be very enlightening, the conversations that we have. I'm not here to actually start Punchface. If they want Punchface, they're gonna have to start it. Yeah, oi, what what news is there from Eris Raker? Scarlet's been crippled, clinging to life last I saw. Is that your doing, little inkwit? You know everything that went down, Eris Raker. That was Nyland, top to bottom. She's messing with forces she couldn't control, and she surrounded herself with people she couldn't trust. The way I see it, every one of you has a choice. Go back to your boss, try to salvage what you got, or figure out something else to do with your lives. Riku just stands up and is like, not hungry. Not hungry. Not hungry for what you're feeding me, not that shit. Yeah. And walks out the door. Poor guy must have really liked her. You hear a, a bucket out front get kicked down the street. I wish I didn't know that feeling. Ladies, I am so glad that you could join us here inside of the Truth Seekers Library. We have another job for you. Almost a day's journey east of Fallfallow Glade, a university professor by the name of Jean Archibus is going to make a find that is going to make her rich and make her the pride of the university. We absolutely need her to not succeed at that. Why does it need to be done? Whatever arcane truth allows this kind of creature to be made, this artifact. There are more of them. The Precursor Kingdom fell for a reason, and we think this technology is what caused that downfall. This is not a spell, a concoction you use often. Have you used it before at all? I've tried it on a couple of occasions before, always in in times of great exigency, and never delicately, because it's dangerous. You may ask your question. Who overheard our telepathy today? There are two parties which know of your passing, your doings, and your ways. One is close to you, was listening intently to her papers and her words. She was frightened. The other calls itself the weightless. They seek nothing more than the undoing of the weight. 
They know you are here. They know you are powerful. And if they cannot own you, they will crush you. Who are the weightless? They are the, uh, the personal players of Prince Hedvig Vasa, the daughter of the Emperor. Welcome to the Crooked Thimble, where like minds meet. This game is being conducted using a hacked version of the Dungeon World system by Sage Latora and Adam Kobol. The Crooked Thimble is a Patreon-funded company. You may find our work at crookedthimble.com and may support us at patreon.com slash crookedthimble. We love bringing you these podcasts and we can continue to do so only with your support. Before we dive back into the Verdwood, let us meet our players and ask them a few questions. So, before the bad things start to happen, which I'm telling you now they're about to happen. Awesome! I would like to introduce all of our players. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us at the Crooked Thimble as we play Iron Immortals. We have with us today playing Impediment Reed, Brianna Dempsey. Where can people find you online? You can find me online at Brianna and Dempsey on Twitter, and I also kind of lurk around Facebook and the back end of our Crooked Thimble website. Uh, we also have with us Robert slash Bob Poteet, who is playing Professor Isold Heisenberg. Where can people find you online? I'm on Twitter at, at Robert Poteet. I mostly just lurk, follow writers, comedians. They're <laughs> interesting to listen to or read, I guess, as it were. No, you're Reed. Oh, right. Uh, and finally, we have Hannah Garbaz playing Kaya Wellsmythe. Uh, who I think hopes to join the Order of Wood someday. It's hard to know. Kaya, rather, <laughs> Hannah, where can people find you online? Yeah, it would be difficult if people looked for Kaya online, but if they look for me, they can find me on Twitter as CindersElla, um, or maybe you can find me on Facebook. Give it a go. See what you think. Try to spell Garbaz. <laughs> yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> um... You've gone to stop Gene Archibus's expedition from succeeding? What in your minds does that actually mean? And I'm going to start with Isold. Well, she is a member of the university like I am. So what I figure I'll do is threaten to take her budget. <laughs> but that's, that's, the, that's the means by which you, you intend to achieve it. My my question was more of, what do you consider the success, with what you know, of what this technology can do? It can bring people back from the dead in some abstract form. Right now, you know of definitely some sort of phantom, but uh, the people at the, the Truth Seekers have told you that, in fact, they can be brought back in a more material sense. That these revenants, as you called them, could be made of flesh. What is success in this case for stopping, quote, stopping this expedition? I'm not even sure I fully want to stop it. Uh-oh. Yes, these, this, this is the kind of response I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the power to bring the dead back to life. Well, as long as they aren't... That doesn't sound like a terrible thing to this old... Of course, she is cynical and, and observant enough to realize there are terrible, horrible, hideous costs to these things. So, and also on a more, much more petty level, I don't want to see Gene succeed. I want to find these things out. I want to present my research, my research and get credit for it. Um, 
I would like you to take a, a personal note then yes. and note that you have essentially two goals. Foil Gene's expedition. Yeah. And two, take credit for precursor res- research. Yes. Kaya, what does it mean to yes. you to succeed in this quest? Well, given what uh, Herman the Head said to us, um, destroy any artifacts, and if that's not possible, um, render them inaccessible. Okay, I like it. I do not want this dead coming to happen at all. Man, dead coming is not a great choice of words there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Man, it is really not. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. It's been a long Thanksgiving. Other other role-playing podcasts have made similar guffaws just as unknowingly. (laughs) Some of them involve people's lawns. Uh. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Kaya does not want the dead to come to life. It is a bad thing, unnatural, and against everything that seems right to her. Reed, dear sweet Reed, what does it mean to succeed in this adventure? I have some mixed feelings. On the one hand, it does seem kind of... The ghosts are bad. I don't like those. They're creepy and wrong. But, like, bringing back someone whole, like, that's something that all the traditions Reed was raised on should be wrong. But she's finding out more and more that a lot of what she was raised on might not have the best basis in truth. Fair. So, she wants to know more of what's going on, though she knows she's going to have a hard time understanding it. She, I think her idea of success is probably keeping them from bringing back anyone directly with the statues, though not necessarily the destruction of any statues. Um, she probably doesn't, isn't going to consider the job done until the expedition is driven from the forest or guided out of the forest, whichever way it ends up being. Also, you know, depending on how many are alive to be driven from the forest. Not that Reed plans on killing people, she just suspects the forest is going to get to that before we can really do much about it. I mean, it's not like many groups of adventurers, PCs, have a plan to murder so many people and monsters and things. It just kind of happens. So we're actually going to jump ahead for a time. You immediately set about planning and preparing an expedition into the woods. You know that you're going to be staying there multiple nights. You know that this is not going to be a circumstance where you can hope to get in and out before nightfall, and so you must be prepared for surviving in those woods. You've procured the assistance of three hirelings, who we are not going to specify who they are yet. They are helping you- Hmm? Are they wearing red shirts? Uh- That all depends on you. Okay, okay. Also with you is one uh, enlightened, trained croxibore that is being your main pack animal because it is able to traverse the woods physically. Without getting the shit scared out of it. The important thing is without getting the shit scared out of it. It is an incredibly stubborn, isn't the right word. It likes to be guided. 
as such, someone can, you know, grab it by the reins and pull it someplace, but somebody pushing it isn't going to get very far, and somebody shouting at it is going to accomplish nothing. Hmm. Uh, Kaya, on the other hand, can talk to it, and it responds just fine to polite conversation. All right, we will have lovely, polite conversations. We are going to, during the course of tonight's podcast, each of you is going to get to hire one of the hirelings, but that is going to be done in flashback, because right now, you are at the top of Sapstring Ridge. It is a precipice over getting into the, the deepest and darkest part of the forest. You have at the top of this ridge is thick walkwood trees, but none of them are the mobile, terrifying walkwood that you uh, see in your worst nightmares, like the, the blood-fed sapling or any of the old-growth monsters that exist. This is the transition into the old-growth forest. A switchback, a narrow, rocky switchback, leads down the ridge, and at the bottom of the ridge is something that people call an amber grove. Crystals, sharp, spiky crystals made of solid amber that stretch out beneath the canopy of the oldest walkwoods. Going from the top of this ridge to the bottom, and the reason that it has the name sapstring, are these long solidified strings of sap, amber, that have, essentially, if you if you need to get an image of them, they look like zip lines. You could toss a, uh, a rope over them and actually slide down to the bottom, which is definitely not something you're going to get the croxabore to do for you. Reed is resisting the urge to do dumb things. It's hard. Um, also, getting any of your three hirelings to do such a thing, unless you hire some very specific people... Uh, would be the kind of risky, stupid thing that you would have to do a loyalty test on uh, by using the command hireling move. That, m that makes sense. It is beginning to rain. It actually has been raining, and this is a terrible winter rain. You do not wish to spend much time on the slippery, rocky switchback, both because you will catch cold and because you will fall and die into the giant pit of spikes below. Mm. And that's when you notice... That someone, something, is following you. Which of you would you say is the least lucky? <laughs> oh man, we kind of have a contest going for that. Uh. If you'd like to, you could each roll 2d6 and see who's the least lucky. Alright. That seems like the best way at the moment. All right. I think that's fair. I am 11 lucky. Kaya's pretty lucky. Yes. This old is six lucky. And um, so is Reed. Hmm. That's great. Kaya. Yes. You've been the trailblazer for this expedition. You're the one who has found this route, which has gotten you. You've consulted with Reed, of course, who knows a lot of the land. But you were the one who was able to figure out where the Croxibor is going to be able to go and where it can't, which Reed is not familiar with at all. Yeah, that's true. As such, you are actually ahead on this path. You are on the switchback with the Croxibor. Reed and Izzled, you're at the top of the switchback, right at the edge of the woods on the, on the top, where there are the sap strings going down and walkwood all around you. And you hear... Mm. You can't quite put your fingers on what it is. 
and then it puts its fingers on you. No. Each of you finds yourself gripped by your wrist, by one of your wrists, by one of the trees that is near you. What? You're at separate trees. Reed, what do you do? Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. Uh, where's my character sheet? Um, uh, huh, no, I do not like this tree grabbing me. Um, like, like, like a branch reached out and grabbed me? Like, can you describe this a little more? The first thing that you notice is that your wrist has been grabbed by something cold. My f- which should worry you, because cold things do not come out of the trees, because walkwood trees are warm. Yeah, okay, that's really freaky. My first instinct is definitely to pull away, um, and to try and see uh, what was on my wrist and where it came from. Your first instinct was to pull away, so give me a defy danger strength. Okay, well... Is that another six? That's another six. So you try to pull away, and you pull, like, with a great deal of force, but that curiosity gets the better of you. You said mm-hmm. you wanted to get a closer look, and you mm-hmm. turn to look at it first, and you realize that looking at the tree, you are now staring at a wood-carved mask looking out from the tree at you. It's a human-sized face. Well, it's a human-sized head uh, that the mask must be on or was made for. But it's a face all the way to the edges of the mask, so that the face is really quite massive, with big, exaggerated eyes that are made of just black-painted wood. Or maybe it is just a very dark wood itself. Uh. And uh, would you be so kind as to uh, roll 1d6? That's a two. Uh, You take two damage. As the hand retracts into the wood of the tree, it looks like the bark had sort of parted so that this leathery hand would come out, and it just slams you against the tree, sort of face first and roughly, but not with enough strength to badly injure you, but it shakes you up. Izzled, you're being gripped by the wrist by a cold, leathery hand. What do you do? Ooh, I'm gonna... Yeah, Izzled's gonna probably squeak. And throw sleep at it. You're going to leap at it? Nope. Throw a sleep spell. Oh, okay. Oh. That's what I heard. Okay. This is good. Uh, please do roll me a roll. Actually, let's say. Yeah, that's your first instinct. Uh, give me a roll plus int. It is going to hurt you in the meantime. So it's still going to get to hit you, but you're trading blows here, essentially. The cycle of violence continues. All right. It's a... Uh... It's going to be a total of 12 to cast a spell. That's great. You still have plenty of sleep left. Mm-hmm. Not going to not gonna empower it. I'm just going to single target this. Um, uh, so you still roll a 1d4, if I remember correctly, right? Oh, that's right, yeah. If I get two or higher, I guess I'll slap um, whoever's grabbing my friend. Very rude. Party foul. Whoever this is. Roll a four. Damn. Number of targets. I'm going to let you know that you have hit four targets with it, and none of them were your friends or the hirelings. Oh, dear. Please roll me a 1d6. It's a one. Um, the hand just sort of, it tries to pull you, but it can't get you to, to come into the tree like uh, like it tried to do to read. Uh, and it gives you sort of a, a terrible rug burn on your arm as it gives you one damage. Because uh, I don't think you have armor, Kurt, do you? Uh, No. Okay. 
No armor, a mere 13 hit points. Yup, that's that's not good. Poor delicate Isold. Squishy wizard. You notice something terrifying about the way it responds to the sleep potion, which is to say that it is still gripping your wrist and it hasn't lightened up at all. Please give me a, you have a plus one forward to a discern realities, which I would like you to make, which you still have your plus one from, uh, you still have your, you can use logical for it. That's right. Let's, let's deduce something about this, this very rude, mm-hmm. very thirsty tree that just getting all up in our business. That's boxcars. Okay. So that's going to be a total of 16. Jesus. Well, you still only get three answers. I know. Uh, Until I hit level six and I can get highly logical. Wait, what? That's a fucking thing? Advanced move, but we'll uh, we'll get to there when we get to there. I'm only level five right now. What, um, What is about to happen? So there's a mask... I would say attached to the arm that is reaching for you. It's it's in the tree. It's against the surface of the tree. But you see that there's another one and another tree just beyond it. And you can hear uh, another one rustling from inside the tree next to impediment. You also hear two more bodies fall with a thud and a vague snoring sound. Nice. What is about to happen is that four creatures that do not sleep are going to descend upon you and hurt you, but also that some rocks on the path are moving, and you don't know what that means, but it's probably not good, because they're moving uphill. Rocks aren't supposed to do that. What's your next question? Who hired these rocks? That's not one of those questions. I know, I know. Who's really in control here? Oh man, that's good. That's a good question to ask. From what you remember of the conversation with Reed regarding the magical mask that she encountered, the answer to that question is the masks are in control here. You have a plus one forward to doing something with masks. Nice. And um, I guess what here is useful or valuable to me? Base. So the, the, the sap strings are just kind of everywhere. They extend from one walkwood tree at the top to a walkwood tree at the bottom. Uh, each one of them, and there are more of them than you care to count. These are things that you reach out and interact with at any time. But you notice that at the base of each of the of the sap strings, wherever it is attached to the tree on the top of the ridge, a strange incandescent flower called a sunflower is sprouting from that point. Sunflowers, when agitated, express fire. So you can make fire in this rain where it has no risk of catching the forest on fire, but sure as hell would probably hurt anyone nearby. And a staff is pretty good length to do that with. Right on. Kaya, your buddies above you, you're not terribly far down the switchback, you're a dramatically appropriate distance down the switchback, have called out in surprise, and you've heard pain and sounds and maybe a, 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 a shattering of glass as a as the sleep... Spell was cast as the sleep concoction shattered. What do you do? Um, I'm going to turn around and see what is going on. Um, so you turn around, and so you you essentially have to walk past the animal that you were guiding down, and so now it's behind you, lower on the path than you are. And above you, you can see that on two next to two separate trees, Impediment and Isold are being 
essentially harassed by arms coming out of those trees, and that there are these masks sort of moving along their surfaces. But you also see that one of your hirelings is doing something smart. Kaya, when you were back in Mastaninfel, you could have picked anyone or any job that needed to get done, as long as it was reasonable. You couldn't get King Leitonin. Obviously, <laughs> Sisu Rin is gone. Barker is deputizing people to search for a murderer. Uh, those people are off the table, but anyone you've met or anyone you think would be reasonable to find, you could go looking for. Who did you seek out, or what job did you seek out? Um, I recall that we, um, when we were in the, the Truth Seekers basement room, mm -hmm. um, there were a number of people in addition to uh, the two, the alchemist person, researcher, and the, the main gal in charge. Um, I would have asked for some um, someone to accompany us from the truth seekers who was knowledgeable in um, what they what what they had been going what had been going on and was also competent in the forest. Uh, those two things do not exist together. Okay, that's why they hire other people to do it. Got it. Um, competent in the forest. Uh, competent in the forest. Okay. So you are looking for either a protector or a warrior, those of the fighter types, from up in the top room, from that first, uh, mm -hmm. from, from, you know, who weren't down inside of the secret laboratory, they were up above. Please give me a, uh, let me see where what the find a hireling move requires. I bet it's plus charisma. Oh, oh no. no. Could it be wisdom? <laughs> I should be wise about this. I think I should approach this with wisdom. It is It is neither, actually. You make a roll plus. If your pay is generous, you get an additional plus one. If, what you're, uh, if you make it known what you're setting out to do, you take another plus one. And if you promise them a share of whatever you find or take, take an additional plus one. <laughs> what did you say... Oh. Uh, did you say that it was generous pay, that they get a share of what's found, and or what you're setting out to do? I have to advertise what I'm setting out to do? Uh, it will be known to everyone in that upper room in this case. I don't think that's a good idea. So I will offer nope. generous pay mm -hmm. and, um, and, and, and a share of my portion of what's, of it, what's offered. I'm not going to offer like equal but but I will share what I bring back. Uh then give me a roll plus 2. Also, you are the only one this applies to. You have a good reputation in town because you are a noble and you get an additional plus 1. Okay. So give me a 2d6 plus 3. It's true I have a dangerous reputation around town. <laughs> Crossing fingers. <laughs> that is an 8. Uh, on a 10+, plus, you've got your pick of a number of skilled applicants, your choice of who to hire, no penalty for taking any of them along. On a 7 through 9, you have to settle for someone close or turn them away. So I will tell you this. You you put out your feelers, and everybody else is committed to another expedition into the forest that's going to be coming up soon. It's going to pay well, and they're going to get sap out of the deal. Only one person takes you up on this. They, uh... Tell me what they specialize in. What is this warrior that you found? Ah, 
Well, um, it would make sense for this to be someone that perhaps knows me a little bit um, from the Order of Wood. That's a fellow apprentice um, of the Order of the Wood, um, a knight in training. Then I'm going to give you, one second, I have to look up a good, I'm going to only give you a first name this time because it drives me crazy to do both yep. and because it's funny yep. uh, if uh, we don't know. Uh, you are being served by Anton the Protector. Anton the Protector. Sounds good. Anton the Protector is like a a distant child, like a fourth or a fifth child of a noble family. They don't have much hopes in the way of prospects. Uh, and so the thing that they are after is money. They want to have enough money to start up a merchant business. Um, a Protector can be, uh told to intervene or sentry. Those are the orders that you can give them. And uh, because you started this, you're back in the woods. What is Anton doing that is so useful? It looks like he is distracting the mask characters by um, being loud and obvious. Because he knows that if they are distracted, then I can do a call shot on them. Okay. I will I will I will make that roll plus dex. Aim for the masks. Aim for the masks. Uh Anton is attempting to uh actually grab the attention of the one that is fighting uh Reed. So he's he's got one of those hooked pole arms because he's a fan of being a member of the Order of Wood, and he's hooked that pole arm onto the arm that has come out again to try to grab read and you know pull her back and probably just slam her again and is now hooked with it and it's totally paying attention to him what is your roll plus dex my roll plus dex is a 10 and uh were you aiming for its hand or for the mask um i was aiming for its hand because its hand is holding my friend sorry assault uh so it did succeed in grabbing hold of reed a second time it was holding the cloak and a second you know hideous leathery arm was coming out and was going to grab Reed by the head, but your shot goes in and you got a 10. Uh, give me uh, your roll, pl- roll for damage. That is unfortunate. I-, I hit it for one point of damage. However, I do succeed at my called shot bit, so it does, like... So your arrow flies true. It goes straight through the arms, both arms, as they're going, going reaching for Reed. But it actually goes through. It doesn't stop. It doesn't meet the resistance of muscle and flesh. And you can see as it re- recoils back and releases Reed that the, the holes that were made by the arrow just suture right up immediately, leaving no trace whatsoever. Uh, not cool. Not cool at all. Reed, you have an opportunity. This creature is more revealed from the tree than it was before because it's seized in Can terror. Can I kind of judo it down and try and get it in a headlock? Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, give me a... I don't know what that would be exactly. Uh, I would say that is a... We're going to do two. You're going to defy yeah. danger decks to try to get a better grip on the creature. Okay. That, that's, that's, that's fair. That is a ten. That is... Great. You grab it, you like 
grab both of its arms while it's trying to regenerate. You Mm -hmm. twist it around, and now its torso, kind of upside down, is just sticking out of the tree. It's a it's a person. It's you can tell it's a person now, but they are entirely leathery skin, and uh, and it's just the mask. Like there's there are little hints of hair coming from the top of their head, like they were a withered old body. Uh, give me a defy danger strength to pull it out of the tree and bring it to the ground in a headlock. That is a twelve. Yes, Reed. Reed is Reed is basically shouting at it while she's doing this. Who are you people? Why are you doing this? It gives no response. But, Reed, you look up past the the tree that you're now kind of facing as you drag this creature away, and you see the hireling that you brought along, that you recruited. Who, inside that grand city of Mustanenfell, did you reach out to, to try to hire? Oh, shit. (sighs) Do I go with the terrible idea? Yeah. I mean, we've talked about the terrible idea, we've, and I love it. We've talked about the terrible idea. It's such a bad idea, but, like, Reed is full of bad ideas. Uh, if you choose the bad idea, I, it will succeed. Yeah, if if he wants... If Riku isn't satisfied working for people who were content to let Scarlet suffer a fate worse than death... And have the rest of his gang murdered to make their power play look better. Then he can come along with me into the forest. He makes one wrong move to stab me and my friends in the back, and I will leave him there. But there's a good chance of some friggin' glory, of some friggin' loot, and some time away from from fucking cities. So there you are, you you went out and you found Riku drinking in a worse dive than the soggy bottom. But you knew how to find him because he's loudmouthed and he sounds weird and he's violent as hell. You follow broken noses and picked pockets until you can find Riku the sellsword, Riku the burglar, drinking in this dive. The two of you have, you sat down to this table, you bought him a drink. Uh-huh. So... What is it that you came to ask for, little Greenbark? I didn't come to ask anything. I came to make an offer, and you don't have to take it. Offers? Huh. Yeah, yeah, tell me, tell me about your offer. What I know is if I were in your place, I would want to burn this city down and go back and burn the other one down too. Not that I'd call that one a city. Um, but I know that it doesn't help and it doesn't bring them back. And if you meet, you probably want to kill me, probably want to kill my friends. I get that. But if you think that you could start something different, if you want some glory, something for yourself, we're going on a job in the woods. It's risky. If we get out alive, they will be telling stories about us across probably multiple countries. (laughs) I don't know how good the loot will be. We've only got one pack animal, but you'd get a share of it. And it would give you time to figure out what you'll do next, if you survive. Tell me this. Why did you, you who came from the forest, why would you go back? Is it this womb from which you are hatched? Is that coming home into your mother? Or is it, <laughs> is it as terrifying as it is for everyone else? Do you ever feel more alive than when you're afraid? Let's fucking do this. 
and so he is uh, working for the thrill of victory. Wow. Sweet. Okay. We're just psychotic maniacs over here. Don't mind us. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you are. <laughs> it doesn't... The creature in your arms doesn't make a sound. But Riku, who has another one of those uh, pole axes, and he kicks out the bottom of it and clubs it right in the, the head with the, the bottom of that staff. And it knocks the mask off. And the creature goes limp in your arms. Actually, limp isn't even right. It just becomes perfectly stiff. As the mask tumbles to the ground, the clap Izzled. I put my boot on the mask. Good plan. Yeah. Izzled. The future of humanity is this. <laughs> a boot stomping on a wood creature's mask forever. <laughs> you uh, are still being accosted by the creature inside of the tree. And there's another one coming. You see it actually. You, you saw a second mask in the tree beyond it. That one has actually stepped out from the tree. And you can see that it is just this leathery, desiccated corpse person wearing a mask. And it's running and it dives into the tree where the that, that was attacking you earlier. So now there are two masks in that tree. What do you do? Well, I'm going to reach out with my staff and try to... Uh, bat a sunflower down on this guy's mask. On the mask of the person, the thing that is uh, gripping. Give me a defy danger int to do that quick enough and time it just right. That's going to be a total of seven. So you reach out and you you clip uh, the, the sunflower and it starts to plummet down and it falls from the from where you hit it, you know, a few feet up the tree and it turns into this like raging fireball as it plummets to the ground and begins to explode, but you know that that's coming, and you step back. And one of the creatures follows you out, and it's going to be clear of the explosion as well, but that one that just leapt into the tree, it's still in there. Roll me 2d8. Yikes. Pull out my 8-siders. You're going to be getting the best of 2d8, not actual 2d8. Right, right. Best of 2d8 is a 5. Best of 2d8 is a 5? That is not bad, actually. It gives this hollow whistle. That's what you guess is a scream. As you see it sort of tumble out the far side of the tree from the explosion, and it's sort of tumbling into the the path that you guys took the croxibore along, and you see standing in that path the hireling that you recruited. What were you looking for when you left Mustanenfell? Oh, I was looking for for someone who would understand, for someone who would Keep me company and be a shoulder to to lean on in these trying times. I'm looking for Tristran. Oh fuck! All right. Oh wow. Uh, okay. So you go to uh oh, what did I call the the place that they were at? Uh, Tristran and the rest of the university folks. It was I a satellite called... campus. <laughs> was it was a... the remote archive. The remote archive. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So you go to the remote archive and you find Tristran. But Tristran is talking with other members of the university. Other people that you recognize, you know them, they're other assistant adjunct professors, or worse, like junior assistant adjunct professor, or teaching assistants. I don't even acknowledge them anymore. Graduate students. And in not acknowledging them, uh, you give your pitch about the job. Yeah. 
Um, I'm going to say that you get a plus one because you have a high reputation with Tristran. Uh, but do you tell him that the pay is generous, what you're setting out to do, or that he gets a share of what you take? Really all three. Um, I trust him, and I'm telling him. And he knows the history uh, between me and, and Jean. So I'm pitching it as a way for us to finally capitalize on all the work that we've been doing out here. And, uh, God, I don't know what he's going to be in for. Uh, three, uh, give me a 2d6 plus four. Better roll high. Now watch me watch. Watch watch me do snake eyes. All right, come on. Oh, don't say that. All right, uh, that's a total of eight. (laughs) Jesus, okay, that's not great. Uh, you get Tristran? But Jesus Christ, uh, who is the worst teacher's assistant you can imagine. It's go- it's going to be somebody who can reasonably survive like a trek through the woods so you can't get like a cripple or something. <laughs> but what would be the most annoying or dangerous companion to have? Let's say he's not even from the um, from from the the uh, ethnography and tactical studies department. Uh, he's he's a oh, he's, no. he's a philosophy sophomore. Uh, what is the philosophy sophomore's name? They tend to do very English concepts of saints as names. Uh, Eustace. Let's call him Eustace. 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 I have a question. Would philosophy ever be related to uh, the School of Humanity? Uh, I'm going to say that it is uh, the Department of Philosophy and Restitution. Oh, dear. They really care about... Uh, the philosophical meta-ethics of how long people spend to repay grievances. He has a trilby hat. He has a neck beard. Oh, oh god, no. So the one that is stumbling out of the tree uh, trips and is, is, you know, getting, like, burning embers off of its, off of its leathery skin and uh, bumps into... Eustace, who lets out a terrified yelp, and Tristran does what? Oh. I mean, I hope he responds with magic missile. That's a fine thing. In fact, he, uh, he is an adept, so he helps me cast it. We're gonna double team this guy. Correct. Give me a roll for magic missile. It's gonna be a total of... And I'm, and I'm aiming for the mask. I'm taking one forward on that, so I have another plus one. From before, right? Yep, you sure do. Okay, so that brings me to a total of 10. Uh, With a 10, I'm giving you that you blast the mask and it shatters. Uh, It sends, you know, burning embers fly everywhere and the creature just tumbles to the ground. It just, it falls. You see one of its arms snap and break and just fall to the ground next to it as it's curled in sort of this just fetal position and comes, becomes completely still. However, with the shattering of that mask, there's like a, there's, it, it shatters the crack, and that crack echoes, but it doesn't echo from where it should. Kaya, mm. two of the boulders next to you shift and shimmer as dust begins to erupt from them, and two mastiff-sized creatures come out of it. They're quadrupeds. You would, if you were from Earth, say that they were dogs. Stone dogs. And they're, they seem to be reeling from this ringing 
that is happening to them, but they are now on the, the top of the switchback with you. And they are quite close. Oh, well, how fortuitous that Angus is there to help me fight these... Yep. These dogs. It seems only appropriate. Um, my my loving Barkat has been lolloping along um, above us. Um, and so he will jump down. And I get to type one of my favorite commands. Death from above. Oh, no. Fort. Jeez, pretty good roll. Uh, roll your damage. Alright. Um, come on now. Let's get some better DM damage this time. Four. Four is uh, alright. Except, uh, are you shooting it with your bow right now? Or are you... What are you okay, doing how, how to how actually... I was actually saying that um, Angus... You wanted to just be Angus, Angus clawing at it? Yes. Um, All right. This is Angus's attack, and Angus is jaguaring that shit up. Yeah, pretty much. Angus slaps a claw on the top of the head, a claw on the back, and bites down with both, uh, you know, with its jaws into the the neck of this hound, and begins to shake wildly. But you hear just this scratching of almost, you know, steel sharp talons on stone. It's this terrible shriek. And you see part of the rock chip off in Angus's mouth. But Angus has to, like, leap away and shake off and and spit out what it landed inside of its mouth because it was really stone and it's just as hard as it. So Angus has left scratches and has done a chip of damage to this thing. But it's, it's still working. And now that dog unlike the other one, is no longer ringing with the pain. It is more intensely staring at Angus. What do you do? We'll call to Angus to get back out of range, and I will now. I I am going to cast um, Cause Fear. Um, Give me a roll plus whiz. That is a nine. A nine with Cause Fear. So which do you, uh, which happens to you? Do you uh, become distanced? Do you do you lose some reagents and take an ongoing penalty to all spellcasting? Do you lose the cause spe- fear spell for the rest of the day? Or draw put yourself in danger? It makes sense that Kaya would step into danger. Okay. Uh, so choose a target you can see in a nearby object. The target is afraid of the object so long as you maintain the spell. The reaction is up to them. What is the object that you are making it fearful of? Can it be Angus? Uh, you can make it afraid of Angus, that's sure. Yes, it's afraid of Angus. All right. So it, uh, by the way, you have a minus one ongoing anyways, as long as you keep this spell going. Right. So remember that you need to tell me when you want to drop cause fear. Right. So the stone hound, like, yips and, and tries to bounce away from Angus, which actually brings it closer to you, but it's not paying attention to you so much. Uh, the other stone hound uh, has shaken whatever it was that brought them out of the boulders in the first place and is uh, looking around for a new target to attack. What do you do? Um, I would like to... Um, you said these are, these are kind of shaped in a mastiff-like formation. Yep. But they're made of stone, which would I mm-hmm. assume make them kind of top-heavy. Am I, am I, eh, maybe a little? 
I mean, yes, maybe a little, as much as a human being is top yeah, heavy. Yeah, I mean, I, I I am pondering trying to topple them. We said we're on a switchback, so I'm going to try to knock them off, down, down, down. Uh, with what? Um, with your hands, or are you going to like try to to no, to push one over? Not with my hands. Um, I'm going to. I would like to do acrobatics and leap and try to kick. I mean, okay. Uh, which one of them are you going to do this to? The one that's terrified or the one that is uh, alert? The one that is alert. Okay, so give me a Defy Danger Dex to get sort of past the biting jaws of the alert one. Uh-huh. Uh, that'll be your first test. Okay. This would look freaking epic. Okay, right. Sorry. You're a ranger, right? Yeah, do a Walker Texas Ranger kick. <laughs> Ugh, spinning roundhouse. Spinning roundhouse. <laughs> I no longer feel bad about wanting to make a joke about how we're on the rain-slick precipice of darkness. <laughs> that, is, that is a 13, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so you, uh, you like, skip up a boulder over the one that is backing away from Angus. You leap down and get yourself angled perfectly in position. Now all you need to do is hit it hard enough to knock it over. Give me a defy danger strength. Oh, that's going to be the difficult one. <laughs> It's a it's a big rock dog. There's only so much you can do. That's a seven. I rolled a seven. That means I actually do it. I do it. I'm pleased with this result. You, you slide over. You kick it like on its underside and you see two of its legs come up and you give it a second kick and it tumbles like off the edge of the switchback and crashes down on sort of the floor below you and you hear a crack of stone and then it tumbles and it falls down the next leg of the switchback and you hear a shattering of crystal as it shatters one of the the sprouts of amber on the floor deep below and you see its head roll off just to fall into the the roots of the trees but when you see that you see that down at the bottom there are two more of those things working their way up the switchback (laughs) lovely I'm so glad our crocs aboard doesn't spook. That is good. Uh, yeah, that's that's ideal. All right, Reed. You and Riku have just... You are still holding this dead creature. Oh, I totally drop it as soon as the mask's off it. All right. Uh, there's another masked creature inside of the tree reaching for Riku since it has the opportunity to do so. What do you do? So I was going to originally kind of kick the mask up and wrap it up in my cloak and tuck it in the back of my pants so that I don't have to touch it to carry it around. But seeing that, oh god, no. But Reed isn't supposed to throw things. Oh, oh do it, god, but yes. does Reed ever learn her lesson? No. Oh, oh god. I don't think Reed... Oh, I think she's gonna throw the mask at the guy with the mask. Okay. This is... Oh, Reed. Oh, Reed. That's fine. Uh, Give me a volley. You can't choose to lose ammo, because you can't. Give me a volley action. A roll plus dex. Am I showing off? Does this count as showing off? I think this counts as showing off, yes. Alright. I'm telling you that you're not doing normal damage also, just so you know. No. No, I'm just trying to get it to not succeed in grabbing Riku. Yep, yep. Oh, man... That is a nine. I technically don't fully fail. All right. Uh, you 
fling the you you fling the mask perfectly. It lands square between the carved eyes of the creature reaching out from the tree, and you you hit it, and it stumbles. Like at first, it seems like it's going to come back just straight into the tree and disappear again, but it sort of backlashes forwards again, and it is now sort of tumbling just offline from Riku, away from the tree, reaching towards its own face, trying to realign its mask, which is no longer straight. But the mask that you threw bounces and is carried by the slight rain and uh, and slope of the, of the hill right down to that uh, partially damaged hound. Mm-hmm. And the hound grabs it in its mouth. Mm-hmm. And starts to run. Huh. It is running along... It is going to run along the top of the ridge and away. What do you do? I might actually be fine with that. You're fine with that? I think Reed's fine with that. Probably? Shit. Reed is confused by that, and so instead uh, goes to deal with the struggling masked dude that is near her. So, uh, let me try to get a good count of where the masked dudes are. One of them has been had its face blown off uh, by a magic mm-hmm. missile spell. One of them has been uh, demasked, and that mask is now running away. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them I have marked as damaged, and I can't remember why. Uh, one point of damage from Kaya's bow? That was the one that I got the mask off of. Okay. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, oh, because it was hit by the fire, but that one's dead. Ah. Oh, okay. That one died. It. Uh, so there are two more of these masked creatures left. One of them is reeling from having been hit in the face and is going, you know, still ostensibly going for Riku, but not obviously. And the other one is the one that pursued Izzled. Izzled, one of these creatures is still grasping for you and is right on a top of you. What do you do? Shot in the dark. Uh, as it's grasping at me and entangling me, I reach down for my charm person vial. Oh, okay. Uh, give me a defy danger. Uh, it sounds like you're just trying to avoid its hands. So give me a defy danger dex to not get uh, severely impeded in this. Dexterity. That's an eight. Hey, that's good. I'm going to say that you spill some of your components uh, while you're trying to do this. And so you're going to take a minus one to your spellcasting roll. All right. Give me a give me a spellcasting roll on charm person. Messing with my ingredients. That is that is the most terrible outrage you could you could perform upon the person of an, an a university academician. How dare you, sir? How very dare you? I adore Isolde so much right now. A long, shrill whistle is its only reply. That's that's going to be a total of nine. So I'm going to lose the Charm Person spell doing this. Okay. It stands stock still. And, like, it's looking at you and it's sort of its head twists twice as it considers. And then it turns for Tristran and begins running towards him. What do you do? Tristran, No! Throwing magic missile. Still a minus one ongoing because I haven't rearranged my ingredients yet. Not my true love. Not, not my destined my destined opera lover. 
No, we're just we're just good colleagues. Yeah. Uh, Tristran is aiding you in this, actually. That's still only a nine. Okay. That's all right. Uh, so roll a one d four for or two d four for damage. Two d four for damage on a magic missile. I'll I will also lose the magic missile spell at this point. Okay. Kaplam. Total four. Four damage. Total of four. Uh, so your blast gets it right in the back, and you can see the leather sort of come off of it, and you can see a human spine inside, wrapped in whatever the insides of a person would be wrapped in if you're dealing with something this old and desiccated. Um, and then you can see tendrils begin to, like, wrap that, that skin back together again when Professor Tristran throws his magic missile getting it in the chest, and briefly, you can see his shocked face through the chest of the creature. As it stumbles backwards from his blow, a hole going right through the middle of it. And then it, with long wooden claws that you had not seen before, slashes Tristran across the face. And you see him fall to the ground, gripping his face. No! Big no. Huge no. Tune in next week to find out who lives and who dies as the Crooked Thimble plays Iron Immortals. Please take the time to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you find it. Share your favorite episode, get the word out. We don't pay to advertise, but we do take donations to keep the Crooked Thimble running. Our music this week was composed by Sergei Cherimzinov. You may find links to his work in the show notes. The Crooked Thimble is a Patreon-funded company. If you want to hear more of these adventures, please head on over to www.patreon.com slash crookedthimble and support us. And, as always, thank you. <laughs>